to the Mental More Mindset Podcast. I'm Yaa. As a peak performance coach and lifestyle architect, I help women who are ready to reach their next level, eliminate negative self-talk and break through what's been holding them back so they can have clarity, confidence and prosperity in their career and lifestyle. This podcast is to empower you with a Mental More Mindset and help you reach your next level so you can uncover your purpose, reclaim your power and reach your potential. This means no longer living by default but dreaming big and pushing yourself to be, do and have more. I want everyone to know that change is possible, that you are not alone, and there is an alternative way forward, because when you change your mind, it will change your life. Hi everyone, and welcome to our next episode of Meant For More Mindset. Today, I have the wonderful Venetia with me. Venetia, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, and thank you for inviting me, Yar. I really appreciate it. And my name's Venetia David. I'm a co-director of a company called Alternatives. And we are an events company based at St. James's Church in Piccadilly in London. And we've been running events since 1982. And I joined about 10 years ago and became a director about five or six years ago. And we host uh, spiritual events, well-being events. Uh, we call ourselves a contemporary spirituality uh, community and um, that is my main job and I'm also a spirit junkie myself an avid reader and student of everything that we teach. Wonderful and so the next thing I want to ask you is tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Well, really, most people don't know this. I don't think I've told anyone, but um, I obviously work at uh, an events company in a church at the moment. But when I didn't go to university, I, I finished A-levels and then I went out to work. However, I briefly started a uh, degree in theology and mm. I only did it for a few weeks. And what put me off is my family were saying, you're that's going to be a useless degree you're never going to work at a church it's not like you want to be a priest or anything said, that's true I don't want it but I was really interested in it this yeah. is not going to be practical so I stopped so I sort of joke with them now saying look where I work <laughs> <laughs> I foreshadowed my future yeah so, yeah so it's I stopped it I, I regret stopping it actually I wish I continued but I might start it again Oh, I love that because I was just about to say because theology um brought up your alley in terms of yeah. the, in terms of what you what you enjoy and also what you do um for work. So it's it's like the com- the great combination of the two. Absolutely. Oh. And I, I went off and I lost interest in it and actually for a few years and then in my late yeah. 20s came back and I thought it was always so funny that I knew something about my future self <laughs> that nobody else knew. That's really interesting. Um, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your professional story, but I do want to come back to the the knowing, having that gut instinct and then not following it. But yeah. I do, But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you and your professional story. Yeah, so like I said, I've, I finished A-levels and then I went out to work. I briefly started a degree that I didn't continue with, but I just had a strong feeling at such a young age that I had to go out and get started. You know, I think particularly as a black woman, you just feel like you have to achieve a certain amount. You have to try harder than anybody else. I certainly thought that at that age and I had a lot to prove and I had a lot to prove to my community, my family and I thought I've got to go out and and make money 
So I went into marketing, which I did enjoy, actually. I, I thought, I, I felt I was good at it. I was accomplished. And I was very lucky to have some early mentors in the sales world. And one of my first managers gave me a book by Florence Scovel Shin, which was The Game of Life and How to Play It. Wow. And she was a Christian mystic and a thought leader from the 1930s. And he was really into self-help and all that sort of stuff. And Tony Robbins and all these sort of things that I thought well he was really motivated and really successful but he thought I'd like this book because it was yeah. more mystical and um, she was more feminine and she's one of the first women to write on the subject so mm-hmm. I thought I saw, I saw it as a sign that I should you know continue and you know he said I was had a real gift for talking people into doing things and I thought yeah I thought I, I, I did feel like I was uh, comfortable doing that so yes yeah, so I was lucky I went into a couple of tech companies where I was doing marketing for um, back in those days it was before social media or mm-hmm. the internet or anything so it was print it was actually print media wow. that we would post out to people so we had a mm. huge mailing list it was over 100,000 people that we would yeah. post to and we'd um, it was campaigns for um, the internet so just when ADSL came out and then just when fiber optic came out so mm. I remember the beginning of the fiber optic broadband and we had to convey um, what fiber optic broadband was to people wow. so it was my first uh, sort of copywriting job where I had to get across a new concept because it was really confusing as you can imagine it sounded really space age to say mm-hmm. something with fiber optic and just to get people to know that this was a much better service yeah. so it was it's not that I was particularly interested in the product but I was interested in conveying new ideas to people so we did copywriting for that it was a very successful company and I climbed up the ladder and really enjoyed it but after a while I did get bored because it wasn't I wasn't selling something that I really enjoyed you know so and it was it was a very male-dominated you know Mm. industry as you can imagine because the you know the guys really loved the tech industry and really loved the um you know selling things like internet and stuff that was very boy stuff because also it was the beginning of using the technology for gaming which the guys really loved so you know so I didn't mind being part of a a male-dominated team you know I thought Mm. it was quite fun actually the guys themselves but the product I wasn't really interested in and um so towards my late 80s I I used to read a lot of biographies and things but I then picked up this book in Waterstones and it was a book called Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh and I picked it up and I thought it was on the bestseller book table, you know, back. so this was a game before you book, ordered books on Amazon, you just went to Warstones and, and chose yeah. intuitively. And I thought, oh, well, this looks interesting. And then I got home and I remember I started reading it and I thought, um, oh, well, this is interesting. He thinks he's talking to God. You know, so I just looked at it very objectively yeah. and I thought, I, I don't know if I sort of buy it, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I put it on the bookshelf and and I left it for about a year. I didn't come back to it. And then it was only after I was looking for something to read one day, I thought, OK, I'll give this another try. And for some reason, I... I went straight through it. I read it in a couple of days. And I always, because I have a natural, healthy, I suppose, cynicism, I always had in the back of my mind, okay, he thinks he is. And even now I think, 
course it could just be that he thinks he is but I thought if he thinks he is then whoever he's talking to is really insightful because a lot of what was said was really you know really spoke to me and of course if he is if he actually is then that's amazing it's you know he's connecting with something higher than himself Mm -hmm. so I tried to remain objective because I remember my boyfriend at the time seeing the book I was reading and he's like what are you reading what you know (laughs) just like what are you into now he just didn't believe it at all he was from a a, you know a Christian family he just didn't believe in he just thought Mm. it was wacky and out there so but but I thought yeah I think this guy's onto something so so I got onto his emailing list and um Mm. he um sent an email saying he was going to be in London Mm-hmm. at a church in London and the church was alternatives St James's oh. church and so I went to it and I thought gosh that's so interesting a church would host someone who claims to be speaking to God so I was really mm-hmm. curious about it and so I went and it was alternatives and then I went to every Monday night talk since then to learn I found myself fascinated by all of these different things and um, a few a couple of years later I met one of the volunteers on the team I got to know them and and um, I eventually became part of the volunteer team and you know worked my way up from then but I remember going to the Neil Donald Walsh uh, talk and uh, one of the co-directors at the time Steve Noble did the introduction and I thought in my head during the introduction I thought I wonder how you get a job like that you probably have to know someone you know and I was just sort of ruminating I didn't think I was going to do it because it was my first time there but I was just curious about oh I wonder how you get into doing a job like this running events and working with spiritual teachers and then I sort of put it out of my mind and then of course a few years later I befriended a couple of the team and then I was working you know they knew I did marketing for this tech company and they said oh do you want to come and do marketing for alternatives we need to do rebranding and uh, some copywriting and I said yeah sure because I thought I was there all the time as a volunteer so it was this organic progression into the company Mm -hmm. and then of course I just worked my way up and they said oh do you want to do you want to be a director one day so so it's really unplanned in a way but I think planned in my subconscious that I would be doing this and you know so it seemed the natural progression so it's almost as if all of the marketing skills I learned in the job I didn't enjoy so much became very useful in the alternatives job so it was really interesting but (laughs) the with the uh, the book, the bit I didn't realise until maybe a year after I read the book was that I was reading it and before I wasn't really that health conscious at all and I drank quite a lot. And I used to come home from work and it was a it was a big drinking culture. The guys would go to the pub after work and drink lots and lots mm. of pints. But I thought I was very sophisticated. I didn't do that. I'd go home and drink wine because mm-hmm. I thought that was much better you know but the problem is I drank a lot of wine I drank mm-hmm. one or two bottles of wine per night wow. and yeah and sometimes I would drink until I passed out mm-hmm. and it it wasn't a lot of our company did that a lot of even the girls I worked with we, we would say oh which wine did you buy last night and we compare and we were wine connoisseurs mm-hmm. it was you know mm-hmm. it was good wine as well but it was perfectly normal and some of them mm-hmm. were doing drugs and cocaine mm-hmm. and smoking weed and whatever so it was very very normal I wasn't seen as strange mm-hmm. but in the book conversations with God he um talks to God about drinking in moderation and uh God says to him um 
if a person takes even one drink on some level they want to die yeah and I remember reading that saying I don't think that's true for everybody Mm -hmm. but I think it's true for me oh wow on some level and I just thought sort of it as a factual thing like oh that's interesting I think that is true because I remember thinking just before I passed out that I didn't wasn't really concerned if I woke up again wow and I did something I thought but I didn't think anything was wrong with it I didn't even analyze it I didn't think I thought everybody felt like that so and it was only so during the reading of the book during these couple of days I never went back to the aisle in the supermarket to buy any wine Mm. I didn't even think about it I just I I didn't have the taste for it anymore Mm -hmm. and I didn't go through any withdrawals or anything I just didn't drink and it was only a year after the I read the book I thought oh I think I was an alcoholic oh wow I didn't I wouldn't have used that word you know because everybody around me was doing it but I feel I think I was an alcoholic and I think I had a spontaneous remission reading those words in the book so I, it, but it was took so long for it to come into my and then it, it took me a while to realize oh I think other people around me are alcoholics too wow. and some of my family are alcoholics and it was just so normal in my mm-hmm. surroundings in the company that I, I didn't even look at it so I thought oh okay and I didn't have the taste for it anymore so it wasn't a struggle mm-hmm. to give it up at all so it I, I was really lucky I didn't have to go through you know a program or anything like that but it just made me think of our on how we mm-hmm. go through unconscious behaviors mm-hmm. to harm ourselves and we don't even know because a lot of people are doing the same so it's very normalized yeah. to in fact when I used to go over to my friend's house or They'd offer me a drink. I'd be like, oh, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'll have some water. They, they'd question, like, oh, no, go on, go and have one. And I'm like, oh, I really don't want one. It's, you know, it's midday and uh, <laughs> I'm fine. I don't want a glass at lunch. And even now I find it strange when you go into, you know, have lunch at somewhere in, the, in London and they say, oh, do you want to see the champagne list or whatever? I, like, I, I really don't because yeah. it's <laughs> the middle of the day and it seems like a lot. Although again, one now and again, I will have a, a mm. glass for dinner, but mm. it's only ever a glass and it's never to mm. excess because whatever need I had to have it to excess disappeared at the reading of that book so Ah. and I think that could happen with I don't think there's anything particularly special about conversations with God I think it can happen with any realization that's true for you because Mm -hmm. I've heard people have it with many other books so I used to think oh it's this book particularly and I gave it Mm -hmm. to everyone but I think it's it's anything that's true for you and he just happened to point that out to me so so, so that was the, I felt like it compelled me into a healthier life and mm. compelled me into my career. So it was funny, it just, it turned the point, but it made me realise also everything I did before then helped for the, the second part of my life that, you know, because I do see it as the before and after. Yeah. And because I had this clarity and it's interesting if anybody's not had to give up something then mm-hmm. they realize the clarity you have afterwards you're sort of forced to look at the way you were behaving before yeah. so you know so it was a reflection of oh the, a lot of unconscious behavior can happen if yeah. you're not you know going into self-inquiry and seeing what happens with your life yeah, and I that's so true and it's so funny when you talked about the book because my book was A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson oh. and when I and I did exactly what you did I bought the book and I was like oh my god this is 
this is it. And so after reading that book, then that's, um, as you know, that's one of the reasons why I love her so much. Um, then I gave it to all other people. And you know, whenever she, you know, she, well, she comes to alternatives all the time so whenever I go to alternatives I'd literally take about a book every time of return to love and say oh this is for my sister this is for my friend <laughs> and and I'd literally give it to them like read this book and it's that thing of what you what you said I think is really really true is that it changes your life because there's something about it that resonates that it's that that thing that you're seeking that kind of sometimes you don't even know you're seeking it that just kind of clicks for you and you want that change for everybody else and I think people do it with other books as well not just um yeah. necessarily just spiritual books mm. but it's but it's also that thing of recognizing that it's about sometimes it's just for you and um yeah. and then you can give people the book and it's great that they've got the book but um really and truly it's it's for you and if it if it does something great for them but they're everybody's on their own journey and I think that's definitely been a thing that's um that I've I've learned to recognize and speaking about being on their your own journey I wanted to ask you about um because you spoke earlier about um wanting to study theology but then choosing not to so what happened there and why did you kind of go against your gut yeah, so that was, it's, it's like that sliding doors moment of life, because I think, yeah. actually, if I could go back, I would have done it. So, but I think there was a lot of talk about what was practical in in my family and community like what are you going to use it for so a lot of my friends studied accounting or they wanted to be doctors or you know lawyers or something very very practical and useful which is really good but I didn't really have an idea of something practical that I wanted to do so I thought oh well I enjoy <laughs> theology so I'll go do that and actually anybody that age that's what you should do if you enjoy something just go and do it you know because yeah. life's short and I wish I did because I, re I remember being in the first few classes and they were analyzing Genesis mm. and the you know there was two parts I really liked about it, it was calling out the sort of uh, the way they changed the text to be um you know misogynistic and mm -hmm. you know to push the women down and I thought yeah I was really interested in that side of the Bible because we know it's been tampered with to mm -hmm. for an agenda but also how the um the books that were lost in the Bible how it's affected the story the reason there's holes in the Bible and it's yeah. uh, there's no continuity anymore is because some books have been lost and some has been lost in translation. Uh -huh. so you know they were looking at lots of different translations to try and get what the story was so and how sort of Eve was demonized and Adam was made to look innocent just by the simple use of words so uh -huh. I was really fascinated and I actually went on to read books about it you know at, you know, just personally there was a really great book called by Hel Helena Kennedy called Eve was framed and it's mm. about the framing of the feminine in all of religion but I just didn't couldn't see where I was going to make a living from doing it mm. so because actually I thought oh it was debunking a lot of the dogma around religion mm -hmm. you know so I thought well that's not going to be useful for any job whatsoever that I could that I could see in my limited perception mm -hmm. so because now I think oh yes like I could have seen what I would have done with it but I think you know if you have if I wasn't in touch with my own inner voice then I wouldn't listen to it 
So even if I heard it, I would absolutely push it down for whatever anybody else was saying. So people close to me, my friends, my family, my peers, I would just listen to what they would say. And I had no confidence in, oh, I know what's right for me. So mm. I just kind of did what the majority said. They said, you should go and do this. And I did. And you need to go out and you need to buy a flat. Okay, I'll go do that. And none of it, I think trying to be happy was a luxury. So mm. thinking, oh, this is going to make me happy. Well, that's that's a luxury that you can do later on in life, you know, and I it, it wasn't a priority and self-care wasn't a priority. Mm. And so I just did what what society told me to. You've got to buy property. You've got to make money. You've got to make a living. You've got to be more than that. You've got to be independent, you mm. know, and you don't rely on anybody because they'll let you down. So. So I just had this really independent, I have to make it for myself. So everything else was secondary. So, and I think that, yeah, I didn't even recognize it as me going against, I would say my own judgment was bad. I'd say, oh, well, I'm not gonna listen to, to that. It seemed frivolous to just do something just because I enjoyed it. So of course I know now that life is short and you should only do what you enjoy, but you know, yeah. <laughs> hindsight's 2020 so it really is really 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 is yeah um my next question is um with regards to what what shifted for you then to kind of then decide that you were gonna um make those changes was it just little things or was it a big shift that kind of made you decide that you're going to live your life for you yeah, it was a big shift. So if anybody's into astrology, it happened during my Saturn return, which happens when you're 27 and a half, so 27, 28. And it's funny enough, it's when I read the book, Conversations with God. And there was something in the book that just spoke to, I just felt it was the truest thing I'd ever read. And I couldn't ignore that realization anymore. I thought this is the truth and what I'm living is a lie. Mm. And I thought it doesn't really matter about, you know, if I make money, if I buy this, I buy that. I thought my ultimate, I'm compelled ultimately to live something that's true. And I thought he's really speaking the truth. And it, it goes in on the third page talking about um, the state of the world. And it says there's more children um, that die every day. So more die than are brought into the world. And we call ourselves loving. And he mm. points out the hypocrisy of the world. And, you know, we, we watch entertainment and, you know, try and entertain ourselves to kind of mask the underlying realization that the world is quite a dysfunctional place where yeah. we can't even look after the children that are born and they're, they're dying every couple of minutes. And I thought, yeah, it's this deeply unconscious behavior that there's some really terrible stuff that's going on and we're just trying to numb the pain. He's, he says in the book that we're living lives of quiet desperation. And I think that's different for everybody, but my desperation was that, yeah, I'm not doing anything useful and the world is in a desperate place and I'm powerless to do anything about it. So that was a very in the moment realization. I remember reading the book till about 3 a.m., you know, for a couple of nights and then going into work, but I literally couldn't put it down. I thought, this is this is the truth. This is the truth more clearly than I'd ever read it before. And it was said in a way that I couldn't ignore it. 
any further. So I thought, yeah, I need to make big changes. And all of a sudden, then my happiness was important because I realized what would make me happy would probably liberate others to be happy as well. So I thought that liberation was really important because the only reason that, you know, we're in a system where people could die from hunger or lack of care is a deep unhappiness on someone in the chain's part. So any want for power over or stealing from is that person's not happy with themselves. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, that's why it's an urgent task for everybody, because you can't harm another person if you're happy in yourself. So it, it did came all up and it was it was really challenging because I broke up with my boyfriend because he was like, no, this is too much. You've gone too far over the other end. It was too big, particularly because I stopped drinking and mm-hmm. he used to drink as well. He just didn't resonate with me anymore, which was fine. It was a natural, you know, we had to naturally go different ways. But mm-hmm. it was my first sign of like, oh, people are going to react to this quite differently because I no longer have anything in common with some of my friends so I just had to go my own way and it was it was without resistance which was interesting because I just thought okay this is a new part of my life now but it did happen almost overnight that I thought okay I have to do something about the state of the world you know in my own way mm-hmm. so it was it was it was spontaneous I think it was yeah. interesting and then the, the physical steps in the world were slower because that's how it works but the realization came all at once yeah oh so oh I've got so many questions but the first <laughs> the first one I'll get the first one I'm gonna go with is how did you deal with other people's resist, resistance because you it seemed like you were fine with your own but it was other people's that you had like real issue with yeah so I lost a couple of friends so mm. they just you know I wasn't interested in doing the, the the things we were doing which was fair enough and that's you know I understand why they were confused and mm. but I just said oh I have to go off and you know I'm, I'm going to this place alternatives now and they teach about meditation and well-being and they absolutely thought it was a cult some of them they thought oh my god what's she into now because some were atheists who just didn't believe any of this stuff and some were christian who were like oh no that's not you know it's not christian i said well it's in a church but they said no it's not it's not the christianity we're used to and some just thought i'd lost my mind you know and i said yeah i think i'm gaining my mind i don't think i've lost it i think i've been numbing it for a long time but i can understand why they were confused they were used to a certain person who'd gone they'd gone away now so so there it was there was some resistance of why are you doing this and I had to explain I feel better being this way and but yeah I think some people have some preconceptions about the you know spirituality you know anything to do with spirituality because they see it as the unknown and some think a lot of it is irreligious or anti-christian Mm-hmm. which it isn't you know of course some of it is but you know I'm not interested in any of that but you know a lot of it isn't it's just an alternative to an organized religion so mm-hmm. but a lot of people even had problems with that so mm-hmm. as you know Marianne Williamson teaches the course in miracles mm-hmm. and the woman who channeled the course in miracles channeled Jesus and a lot of people have problems with that which I totally understand because mm-hmm. it is a new concept it is because even I when I approached the course of miracles was skeptical I thought mm-hmm. is she really speaking to Jesus like you know so I I think it is important to be skeptical 
mm. and to ask questions and you have to look at the teachings and see is it of use to you and that's the most important thing mm-hmm. and and so but it is a learning curve because you know I remember thinking from my you know I studied one of my A levels was in religious studies and mm-hmm. I remember thinking yeah it, you know it, is this okay to speak directly to Jesus because I was always told it wasn't so you know I, I did have to overcome that as well and realize that as long as the message is loving then it's fine but I understand why other people took a long time to get over it and some of them never did and we lost touch and yeah. that that was just I found that an acceptable it's what I found was so much more important to me that mm-hmm. I knew and for me it was the truth uh, I just thought oh yeah because you know that this is what's going to take me into the next part of my life so it's more important than this friendship and you know so there was some loss and feelings of grief when I lost people but the feeling the possibility of what I had was so much more that honestly it wasn't that difficult overall it was fine to leave them behind because in some ways I felt they were dragging me down because there was another I went to a talk by Judith Orloff in the church I remember a couple of years later and she writes about your energy and Mm -hmm. she talks about emotional vampires and I'd never really heard of the phrase before and I thought okay well this is interesting I I don't know if I believe it but then she talked about how they would drain your energy and I thought yeah I did recognize some of my friendships like that where I would just absolutely be completely physically drained of energy by being in someone's presence and I thought oh yeah they're an emotional vampire so I it it was a very codependent relationship I had with some of them and I thought yeah that wasn't healthy so it Mm -hmm. wasn't the reason the friendship broke up but it was it did make me realize I thought oh yeah I was involved with some emotional vampires so and I think I underestimated how much influence other people had on me Uh so the fact that they went was good because then you're forced to listen to your own voice so and this is you practicing you know your good voice if you're drained uh, from your energy by being around someone you have to think okay is it that person or is it me or is it just we're we're not supposed to uh you know be together and that's your first test in discerning it because it's quite a major thing to say to someone I'm not going to see you anymore and unfortunately I ended up ghosting a couple of my friends you know by just not returning their calls I just I just didn't know how to handle it so I didn't I think ultimately was for the best because they were really draining and really toxic so you know now I would have handled it better I wouldn't have ghosted them I would have said clearly oh this is why I can't but I couldn't put it into words but I knew I'd didn't want to be around them anymore there was a lot of drugs and a lot of you know abusing alcohol like I was doing and Mm -hmm. I just couldn't be around it anymore I was scared I was going to go back you know Mm -hmm. to being that person so so I just distanced myself from them yeah no that's so that's so true that point that you say there because um I think it is true the realization comes and when it comes is the steps that come after the realization that actually uh, proved really challenging Mm. and it's that thing of because I like you have probably kind of removed myself from people and I would handle it differently now but at the time it was just kind of I just need to get away I just need to get away because you're so scared of going back to what you know even though what you're going to you don't even necessarily know what it is you're going to you just know that you have to move in a different direction forward um so how was it for you that journey of 
making those steps because I know it can be very challenging. Oh yeah, and I think what I had to deal with was the loneliness of it to begin with, because a lot of the books I was reading, I was reading completely on my own. So I thought I couldn't even tell people about it because they think, oh, this is way too strange. I remember listening to The Power of Now. I used to go on walks after work in the park. Mm. And I remember listening to The Power of Now, walking through the work, walking through the park. And I just remembered, I thought, I can't tell anybody about this book. They wouldn't understand and they wouldn't be interested of course and it just felt like a very solo journey and I would listen to it and again I think yeah this is true what he's describing my mind and he's describing what's happening to me but I wonder how many other people know about this but there was a thing that if you go in and start telling people from cold oh I'm reading this book called Power of Now you need to watch your mind it would seem a bit like preaching or if you're Mm. pushing something onto and I didn't want to do that obviously as well so I would just go and talk to them about anything else and and keep what I was reading quite private because Mm -hmm. I knew they would be like oh what's that nonsense you know Mm -hmm. so it just seemed really out there and then I remember the Eckhart Tolle being on Oprah and Mm -hmm. so that made it more normalized so I could say out loud oh I'm reading this Eckhart Tolle book and it wasn't that strange Mm it's a little bit strange but Oprah normalized him and yes. made it completely acceptable to say, oh, I'm reading this author. And I realised it was still a bit strange for people to go into it, that they didn't think it was a complete cult after it had been mm. on, Oprah it was given some, um, some, you know, a bit of grandeur being on mm-hmm. that programme. So, and then she hosted quite a few other spiritual authors. And I thought, mm. like Louise Hay and Cheryl Richardson, they thought, oh, it's going more into the mainstream. Yes. Which is fantastic. So that really helped me because I thought, oh, I'm not so weird anymore. And also I'm not so lonely anymore. I can actually talk to people and, you know, but it was only really when I went to alternatives that I truly found other people who read books just like me. And I found a community and I thought, finally, I could talk to people. So I'd go out to coffee with people and lunch and we could talk about it freely. And, and they had obviously, they were much further on the journey than I was I was just Mm -hmm. starting out and they introduced me to lots of other books and lots of other teachings and I was just like a sponge for years just absorbing all these different things and I thought well finally I found people who understood me because I thought really you just have a desire to be in a community of people who understand you and accept you and appreciate you and I'd say to them you know my life journey and they'd go they'd have similar stories. So I thought, well, it's not just me. And going to the Neil Donald Walsh, you know, I went to his retreat in Oregon, in America, and um, I met other people who had very similar remissions that I did. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, it wasn't just, I, I literally thought when I was reading the book, oh, this is just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought, yeah. I thought, but then I realized, oh, he'd sold 10 million books. So I thought, <laughs> oh, well, maybe it was a, a couple of other people and, <laughs> and, yeah. I read, and people had many more much more amazing stories than I did mm-hmm. so and I thought wow like people who left their marriages and made mm-hmm. major life decisions and all from reading this book so I thought oh this is happening to lots of people so it's yeah. so affirming that oh this wasn't you know and in fact what I did was on a small scale and people did things 
on a much bigger scale so yeah. I thought this is the community of finding yourself and finding your own voice so it was so incredible meeting people from all over the world yeah. who had similar experiences and that's what being an alternative was like for me as well I thought oh, I'm not on this journey alone but in the initial stages you might experience loneliness of because yeah. you have to reevaluate who you are and that was really difficult so and but it was difficult but if you have the higher purpose in mind that this is for your own growth and self-care and this is your journey it's always worth it because you know the sort of loneliness won't last forever so I always hope that's why people come to alternatives as well is to find other people who are, they can share their journey with because it's very validating for somebody yeah. to say oh that happened to me too so and that's that's how friendships begin, I think. Yeah. And I love the idea of going to your next level is about is about that. It's not about um, this whole idea of if I want to like level up in life, I need to do X, Y and Z and be very mechanical about it. It actually no, it's actually getting to know yourself first and what it is that you need. And um, in terms of the power of a community, what did that do for you? Yes, yeah, so that was, it really felt me, it really felt like, oh, I had some comrades on the journey. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, I'm not, I'm not alone. So it gave me energy to go forward. I thought, I'm, I feel really validated and happy and accepted. And I think really that is a helpful tool for self-love mm-hmm. because you're reflected in somebody else's eyes. So when you share an experience and you're accepted, you think I'm worthy, you know, I'm worth being here. I'm, I'm on the right path, which is a really important thing as well. I have others with me who will support me and your, you know, their love for you is reflected in your love for yourself and being there was really nurturing. I felt like, you know, I was estranged emotionally from my family because I couldn't really talk to them. So I Mm -hmm. felt like I had that emotional connection with my new community which was really helpful because I always felt that was a loss in my own family. And I was estranged completely from my father. I didn't have a good relationship. He left when I was 12 and I didn't see him again. Mm -hmm. And I found a lot of male mentors as well in our community who, Mm -hmm. you know, I could talk to about the loss of their family as well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you you find um, a lot of fatherless daughters as well that Mm -hmm. you could speak to on a spiritual level about what that did to you. And so I felt, oh, this is really healing, knowing that, you know, you're not isolated in your struggle. And in fact, a lot of your struggles are shared amongst lots and lots of people. I met a lot of people who are in recovery from alcohol, a lot Mm. of children of alcoholic parents, because I was, both my parents were alcoholics. Mm. And I met a lot of those and how Marianne Williamson talks a lot about the recovery program. And, Mm. you know, I realized, oh yeah, this is not something I have to deal with on my own. And as soon as you realize that your struggle diminishes quite a bit to know that there are people you can talk to and books you can read and communities you can be part of and one of my uh, friends who I met there took me to um, an Al-Anon meeting so um, actually was an ACOA meeting so the adult children of alcoholics Mm -hmm. and again I, I you know heard stories of stuff that happened to people that was a lot worse than what I went through, Mm. like much, much worse. And I thought, oh gosh, this has happened 
not just in my own family it's so much more common and mm. people are just scared to talk out about it and so these brave people were telling their stories of what happened to them and it made me think put it into perspective what happened to me and I thought gosh at least I was able to move out and have my own life and then you know the, the pattern of drinking so much did come from having alcoholic parents because it was so normalized and that happened to a lot of people who were talking there saying it was just normal for me to continue drinking Mm. and for them to give it up so I think well this is a pattern it's actually a pattern in society that the reason it exists so heavily is because we don't talk about it yeah so I always thought places like Al-Anon and alternatives are places where people can actually talk and have a platform to say no, this is happening as well. And other people can hear it and be validated through what they're hearing. So I think that's that's a really important thing is to go through shared experiences and to listen to as many shared experiences as you can. The lucky, Mm -hmm. the good thing at you know about my job is I get to listen about lots of culture lots of different cultures and lots of different religions and lots of different belief systems and I learned about you know the eastern belief systems and the Indian belief systems and you know you just think oh this is you know larger than you know a very sort of Church of England upbringing I had the -hmm. world's so much bigger than that you know there's that's a very limited perception of what's available on earth and a limited perception of how people live and so learning about these different cultures really opened my eyes to oh this is you know people have different interpretations of what it is to lead a good and useful life Mm -hmm. so I think it really expands you to listen to as many perspectives particularly people from other countries and other cultures it's really Mm -hmm. important to like even now what's happening in Afghanistan you know Mm -hmm. learning about their belief systems and you know it's really important because you know the only way you can help is to understand what people are coming from you know and how we can integrate them We're, we're just about to accept Um, a lot of refugees from you know Afghanistan because of the crisis so we have to know how to make them feel welcome and comfortable and to integrate them into our society and I think that comes from being open and listening to lots of different belief systems so you could be as open as possible yeah I agree and then also like you were saying as well be open with open with yourself and your own and what it is that you need as well, because I think um, oftentimes when when there is a lack of self-care or there's a lack of um, self-awareness, you're ignorant to other people because you're all, because it's like you're ignorant towards yourself as well. So yeah. it's it's learning to reframe that and knowing that it's okay to not be okay and to seek help. Absolutely. It's such so important. It took me a long time to learn that. Mm. And yeah, it's a reflection of you not knowing parts of yourself. And that's why other people can be scary sometimes, because similarly, looking into yourself is scary. So looking into the unknown out of yourself is scary. But and the important thing about you know reading about spirituality, particularly in Eckhart Tolle's work, but a lot of people's work, is that we realise that we're all one. And actually, mm-hmm. you know, those people in Afghanistan aren't refugees; they're human beings, just mm-hmm. like me. There's there's zero difference. We're part of the same mm-hmm. family. We were made at the same time, and they're part of you. So if they're hurting, you on some unconscious level are hurting as well. 
Yeah. And that's why it's painful to watch. So, you know, so you realize they're not coming into our country. There's no such thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's they're moving from one place to another because we all share everything. And yeah. it's our duty to help and make sure everybody's safe. So, you know, so it's important it does cross over into politics because you realize a lot of politics are about separation. Yeah. And so, you know, it's important for us to be unified and see everybody as one. And there's no such thing as different colours and cultures, really, because we're all here to help each other. So, yeah, so it's really important. And I think that, you know, the when you start to learn about any form of spirituality, it reflects on every part of your world, life, politics, belief system, history and future. Everything. I agree. And in terms of, because when you, what you spoke about just there really requires you to have an abundance mindset. So if you're living in scarcity, um, how do you transform that? How would you suggest transforming that into an, a, more of an abundance mindset? Because obviously it happens over time. Yeah. And I think that took me a long time to learn as well, because I used Mm -hmm. to think that, you know, I totally have seen the difference between a poverty mindset and an abundance mindset, this Mm -hmm. feeling of there's never enough, you know, and really come to the realisation that actually there's plenty. There might be some people in the world who are hoarding it, but there's still plenty because money and resources can always be moved around. Mm -hmm. And I think on a practical level, we, we live in a country where a lot is thrown away we use Mm -hmm. too much and we throw away too much so actually there's plenty there's excess but I think it's about re-evaluating what you really need because I think we all live in excess and we we have what we don't always need but also the world's very big so Mm -hmm. anything is possible for you to go and get you know it's just opening your mindset to accept that so that's that's really important and actually if we had this concept of abundance doesn't it just exist in you know what's happening to you right now it's about the infrastructure for providing for everyone because if we think of a humanitarian crisis that is happening in another part of the world if we don't provide for that humanitarian crisis then all that's going to happen is the children who are affected by that in that country now are going to grow up with a vendetta against other countries yeah so that's true poverty if you're creating a mindset of they're just going to grow up and take what they can because they're in a revenge mode from something Mm. that bad that's happened to them and our countries have done to them then that's truly bad because what you're providing is for your children to have to deal with that in 20 30 40 years time you know which could be in the form of terrorist attacks and you know if the shift of power is then Afghanistan get some power back and then retaliate on us how is that abundance if we're under attack in 20 years from now because it doesn't go without consequence what's happening so the true abundance is to take care of everybody now because then we can all work together you know to make both countries you know restore them back to you know the the glory they were and so abundance is everybody having enough because everybody had if everybody had enough they wouldn't try and 
take from each other all the time yeah so abundance is providing abundance for everybody and realizing it's not just furnishing yourself with lots of stuff it's yes. making sure everybody has everything they need available because the grasping and the painful you know need for things goes because everybody's survival needs are met so it's i think abundance is thinking outside of yourself it's providing for your community for your legacy you know knowing that you know if one person's healed, then lots of people are healed because of that. You know, I think it's thinking outside of yourself and thinking of us as a global organism. And because if one part of a plant is dying, it's going to affect the rest of the plant. You have to make sure everything is as healthy as possible. So I think it, it means thinking outside of our own, our own needs. And that opens up channels to abundance, I think. Yeah, I love that. And so in terms of you and your own personal resources, what are the best resources that helped you along the way? Yeah, so I think um, reading about lots of different viewpoints is mm. a really good resource because I think if you're armed with um, a certain, I'm not saying everybody should watch the news all the time, actually, you know, and I don't think that's a good idea. But just to be rudimentarily in, informed about mm -hmm. what's happening, I think is a really good resource because it does put it into perspective, but also the resource it gives you is to know what the collective needs and wants at any time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, you know, particularly during the pandemic we just went through or still going through, I think if you look into um, what's happening globally and people, how people feel about it, you know, you realize that we're going to go into a, a period of recovery now. Yeah. So where people are going to have the emotional aftermath of what they went through. So a lot of people would be grief, a lot of people would be fear, you know, and I think if you go into like learning as much as possible about how every country dealt with it and how every country is recovering, stuff like that, that knowledge is a resource in that you have much more of an informed perspective and it will infuse everything that you do if you understand what the zeitgeist is what mm. the collective things because that will make you I think it will give you whatever you do as a job if you're coaching if you're a copywriter if you're a marketer if you're a speaker if you're a leader it will give you a more informed perspective it will give the you know whoever you're talking to a richer experience yeah. and it builds character to know you know about the world situation so not just to be you know what's happening in your own you know micro community but what's happening on the macro and putting mm. it into perspective and knowing being able to intuit what someone's higher purpose is because everybody has that awareness that we are here to do more you know like that's that's the name of your great podcast meant for more we all mm. have that as a you know we know that we're meant for more so mm if you look at it as what do the entire collective need you can bring so much more than you know individuals furnishing themselves with more it's about what can we give to a global aspect as well because i think they go hand in hand i agree i certainly agree and in terms of being meant for more i find that the thing that holds a lot of people back is their is their own fears of, of being meant for more so um what has held what's been your greatest fear and how's it held you back 
Yeah, so I think my greatest fear was being seen to mm. a, a, a large extent. So, and I think that stems from feeling not good enough mm. for being seen. And I think some of it stems from microaggressions that I experienced in my early career. And I only diagnosed them as, as microaggressions recently. But I think that, you know, particularly if you're a woman of colour or if you're a woman as well or any sort of marginalised community you're the society to some extent is going to tell you you're not good enough so and so that's going to have an effect on your psyche about whether you're you know whether you're good enough and that will create a fear in you of you know do I deserve this should I be seen? Should I be, you know, front and centre? Should I be a leader? You know, do I deserve this? So the fear was, you know, at the beginning of my career, I thought, gosh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really lucky to have my career and everything. But I thought, do I deserve, you know, this career, because I felt I wasn't good enough. So the fear was, you know, is it going to happen to someone like me? And that I, I did have to get over that and realize a lot of it was just society telling women they're not good enough and black people they're not good enough and you know and lots of different you know messages we're getting from you know, advertising in the media but also a lot of microaggressions we're getting from mm-hmm. our community a lot of misogyny that happens in businesses and you know you'll come if you're a woman you'll come across men who just in their DNA they think they're better than you and mm-hmm. so you have to you have to you know sort of stand up for yourself and and realize that you know if you're a woman who you know presents or a a woman who presents as female who is feminine and it's difficult for you to go up against men you have to find your own feminine way of doing that so you don't have to be the male aggressor but you do have to stand up powerfully for who you are and I've had to learn that and a lot of that fear was just that my whole life's going to be a battle against you know all of the prejudices against Mm -hmm. everything you want and I'm sure lots of people have Right. disabled people have prejudices and mm-hmm. trans people have prejudices and mm-hmm. everybody's going to have something that you know society going to say you know you're not good enough so it's about you know the fear of is this sort of prejudice in society going to hold me back forever you know mm-hmm. so you know essentially I thought you know my situation I thought as a black woman you know is this going to be a struggle forever because I've had to go through some glass ceilings you know and really push myself forward and mm-hmm. you know so I think but it does it does teach you confidence to be able to do that because it comes to a point where you have to say I'm capable of this I'm qualified for this so I'm going to do it and push yourself through because that's just the society we do it and the more people do that the the more the microaggressions will dissolve so mm. it's really important as part of our mission to do that but that was a real fear that I wouldn't be able to fulfill my full potential mm-hmm. because I'll be held back somehow because I'm a black woman yeah that's that's real that's mm. real now I'm gonna flip it and ask you mm-hmm. what excites you most about today and also the next um, 12 months of your life. Well, very interesting you say that, because I thought we're just coming out of a pandemic. So <laughs> whenever you're listening to this, I thought this is just the 
we're hoping that the uh, COVID virus is diminishing a little bit and we go back to uh, the new normal, the mm -hmm. new way of living. So I thought, oh, I'm just excited to see people in person because we've mm -hmm. been doing online events for a year, which has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. But we usually do live events and I yeah. thought, I'm very excited to see the, the community face to face. <laughs> so yeah. that would be really exciting. So, and it's almost, you know, it's so funny being away from um the the live events and being online which has been great but you realize how miss how much you miss seeing your community yeah. in the flesh so I think for a lot of people who've missed their jobs going back to it there'll be a period of gratitude where yes. they're just so grateful to be in a room and holding events and you know we're, we're, we'll try and do it as safely as possible and but just to see our community in person great again but also I'm really excited about how people's mindset has changed because I think mm. people have been through a lot of challenging things which would have been really helpful in their growth this year mm. so a lot of people have had to reevaluate their priorities yeah. which is really important a lot of people you know we're, we've got an, um, an event coming up for called joyfully jobless mm -hmm. and it's about a, a woman who was teaching how to live a, a successful life without a job years ago 40 years ago mm -hmm. now of course we're going through this resurgence where people in traditional office jobs don't want to go back to their office yeah and they want to work from home they want they this has been the deciding point that they're going to do now what they really want to do yeah and I think, wow, that's such a powerful awakening because they're thinking we've got a second chance. You know, now I want to do my my dream. So whether it's yeah. to write a book or to start a business or, you know, to become an artist, whatever it is, they're going to do it. And I think, gosh, that's such a powerful thing for the community. So I'm really excited to see how people are going to do that, you know, going forward and how they're rejecting this typical corporate capitalist society where we're saying, mm -hmm. no, we don't want that anymore. Anymore. and a lot of people are fighting back I noticed in America a lot of companies are going on strike because the working mm -hmm. conditions are no longer acceptable they're going on strike for a new minimum wage and I think mm -hmm. this is a really powerful message to capitalism and the materialistic world where we're saying no it's not good enough not going to do this yeah. anymore and yeah. you realize life is short because of yes. the death of the pandemic so mm -hmm. you realize if I don't do what I want to do right now when am I going to do it so people are just embracing that so I'm really excited to see the changes of this newfound power that people have and yeah. I hope they run with it and I hope it propels them into the life of their dreams and also we run a retreats part of alternatives and we're really excited to get that going again so <laughs> we want to go and explore different countries you know yeah. and and again just see we we appreciate even more mm -hmm. the joy we get from traveling and learning from different cultures and going to different places so we're really excited about what the new part of the business looks like because we as uh you know the staff alternatives we have to embrace change which yes. is really interesting because we thought we're not going back to our normal business so we yeah. thought okay what does the new normal look like and we're, we're quite excited about it yeah oh I love that um so uh what I was so my next question is if you were to give it because a lot of people are now going through this change this big shift if you were to give advice to a woman who wants to go to her next level but isn't sure where to start what would it be yeah so I think we underestimate self-care 
as women and so it seems a strange place to start because you think oh I want an action-oriented thing you know and but actually if you stop and slow down and think about your own self-care and that that means lots of personal things to different people but you know what it is for you you'll have the time to reflect on what you really want to do and what self-care does, the other side of self-care and nurturing is once you start nurturing yourself and caring about your own being and who you are, your, your natural desires will make themselves known because you're, it's like an inner child that you're finally comforting and saying it's okay and you're making them feel safe. They will be able to open up to you and say, this is what I want to be happy. So if you don't slow down and get in touch with that part of yourself, you're just going to listen to what society is telling you to do, mm-hmm. which doesn't serve your self-care. Yeah, It just doesn't. If you look at the ideals of society, it doesn't serve your self-care at all. It actually does the opposite. Yeah. So if you slow down and say, what would really make me happy and really take that time, it, it could be a, something really simple like a meditation practice, or taking a long bubble bath every evening, but just that time for self-reflection, you'll suddenly, it will rise from within you and you'll say, this is what I really want to do. And that's what you have to do, go to your authentic why, because a lot of people have goals that they didn't set for themselves. Society Mm -hmm. set them for them. So I want everybody should just reevaluate their goals and it changes as you get older, it changes at different points of your life. So maybe if you've done it before, it's time to check back in and say, because your self-care, without your self-care, nothing means anything. Mm-hmm. No amount of success will ever, you know, replicate that. The most important things you're doing things that are nurturing to yourself. So I think that's the most important thing I'd say to someone is take some time for self-care and go back inside of yourself don't go outside go inside and let your being tell you and inform you what you really want to do and who you really want to be and and you'll you might be surprised at the answer um so as we've got to round this up oh this has been so good um so if you could step into my shoes what would be a question that you would ask yourself that I haven't already? Oh, I would ask, oh, that's a good question, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've asked such good questions, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you've given such great answers. Uh, I think I would ask about, I probably would ask about activism. So mm. I'd say, you know, what would you say about activism and the meant for more? lifestyle Mm -hmm. and I think because I've learned a lot about that but you know uh, Yara and I did a great course with Dr Deborah Egerton uh, last year and it sort of changed my life and changed my uh, view on activism and because it always seemed very overwhelming to begin with Mm -hmm. and I thought we're we're so small in comparison to the big issues so issues of Mm -hmm. anti-racism and climate change and you know homophobia and you think I'm just one person what Mm -hmm. can I do and um we're studying a book at the moment actually you are studying it with us the power of now with uh with uh, the Eckhart Tolle book Mm -hmm. and it talks about the reason that we have to realize ourselves so we we, the reason we have to go into self-realization and it's the fact that we don't just heal ourselves 
by healing yourself in the collective, you are opening up channels for other people to be healed. Mm-hmm. So you're changing it on an energetic level and allowing the capacity for other people to come to self-realization as well. So mm-hmm. whatever healing you have, is not just healing for you, it's healing for lots and lots of people. Yeah. And I think that's how we have to look at activism as well, that whatever small action you take to spread awareness or to be an ally for someone or to stand up for someone or share your opinion about something has a ripple effect that you could never even know about. It's Mm. just going to affect people on other levels, particularly being an ally and and for any community and making your voice heard. Because people will hear you and you'll never know about it, but they'll witness your opinions and that will change something about them. It'll force Mm -hmm. them to look at something more differently and, you know, to to reevaluate their perceptions of people who are different from them. So I think that people often think that activism is futile because Mm -hmm. the world is you know created in a way to be oppressive to some people but I would say to drop that because again by you liberating other people is only going to enrich yourself as well because Mm -hmm. it will make you realize how powerful you are and you would have left the world doing something good for others which is ultimately for me the only important thing so just not to forget the piece of activism and just stand up for somebody next time you see someone saying something they shouldn't just stand up for them and and make your voice heard and you Mm. have no idea how powerful that is yeah and so my last question is what gives you a meant for more mindset well first of all I love the name of the podcast because I thought yeah that's for me that's the most important thing is you know why you meant for more and for me I do have in the back of my mind my my job is more than my job I feel like it's uh, uh, my living it's my lifestyle and I wake up every morning thinking about the community that we serve alternatives and I think I know that there are people in that community who could be awakened right now by some of the teachings they're going to come across through us. So they'll be happier, they'll heal themselves, they'll be in remission from something, they'll move on to the next chapter of their life, or it'll just make their their day better. So lots of different levels. And I know I have the power to put teachers in front of them and introduce them to mindsets and learnings and ways of life that could improve their life. And by, again, it's the ripple effect, by improving their lives, it will improve their family and their community and the world at large. So I think, you know, just by being the catalyst for that and by putting these audiences together with teachers, I can affect lots of change in that way. And also I know if it did what it did for me, it could do that for other people. I've heard stories, we get testimonials all the time. And so I know that's my way of trying to heal the world through people just being told, look, here's this resource, 
you can go to this and it might help you. And so I know I was meant for more because I thought I'm in a unique position between the teacher and the student to be able to put them together. So that's my job as the, you know, I often say it's like a signpost. I'm the signpost at the corner of the road saying, the teaching's that way, look over there. And just, yeah. you know, all these people who are lost, I can say, look, it's over there, that way. And I just mm -hmm. teach them to go there. So we're alternatives as signposts to something more and to show you what you're meant for more for. So I feel like that's a really, and it's more than responsibility, it's a privilege to be able mm -hmm. to help anyone. If you can have a job where you're helping anyone, you're in a really great position. So, you know, you should, it's an honor to do it for people. So, so I feel like that's why I felt I was meant for more. I think I might, you know, help change the world on a greater level you know if I dedicate myself to to doing this oh thank you so much Venetia this has been such a um uplifting interview thank you for your vulnerability thank you for your honesty I haven't learned things about you I didn't know um just thank you for being you because it's I think for, it's just like you were saying about finding the community it's so often that we think it's just us and so we continue on this path of um, for lack of a better word, a really detrimental path for, for ourselves. And it's not until we're presented with new opportunities and have the willingness to take them that our life coaches change completely. So thank you for being the conduit for so many people and for me um, for being able to do that. So I really appreciate you and I thank you. And um, I also love what Alternatives does and what you do in within Alternatives whereby it's not about your faith it's about how you feel first it's about who you are first so whether you are Christian whether you do have a faith whether you don't have a faith whatever it's more about who you are and bringing up more of yourself and so that's so thank you thank you thank you and oh, you're um, so welcome and thank you y'all for providing this amazing podcast I think it's going to help so many more people because I think you've asked the most important question because once we found our purpose we have something to live for so yeah. it's I'm glad you're directing more and more people to go within themselves and finding out because you and I know everybody's meant for more Yes. we all are otherwise we wouldn't have been incarnation so yeah. so thank you for this and being such a bright light in oh. this world and sharing this positive message I think we need more of it so oh. thank you so much you're so very welcome and before we go though I do want to um, ask how can our listeners connect with you online Yes, so you can connect with me personally at my Instagram, which is Venetia Day at Venetia David, and also at Alternatives ORG, Alternatives Org on Instagram. Go and say hello to us. And we're at St. James's Church, and we're going to go back to some live events, but we have some amazing online events as well. So do drop in at alternatives.org.uk is the website for all of our upcoming events. Oh, thank you so much again. And thank you so much, guys. And I'll see you on the next one. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For more about me, what I do, check out my website, nextlevelcoachinggroup.com, where you can also download my free Release Your Mindset Books guide. You can also follow me on Instagram at Next Level Coaching Group or on Facebook at Next Level Lounge. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a rain and review. Thanks. See you on the next one.